0: Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and this show is called, well, it used to be called uh, The Daily Breakfast, then it was called The Break, then it was called The Daily Breakfast again, I think, and now it's just called Father Roderick. Maybe I should go back to The Break. I have some more about things like that to talk about in this show but first of all a big thank you to my patrons who have been supporting me for uh, so much time now uh, some of them are actually are new others are have been supporting me for many months they help me to bring you this content to, to bring it free of advertisements and uh, i really uh, appreciate that I hope hopefully you appreciate that too um, and as i've announced in previous episodes uh, there are a, a lot of changes all good changes uh, that are going to happen for, especially for the for the patrons. I want to make it. Uh, the, I want to give you back even more as a patron. So I've got an interesting bit of news that I'll keep for the end of the show. You see, I'm I'm learning to tease and to keep you glued to your well glued, glued to to what you you're you're glued to your screen. Um, and the earpods are now glued into your eyes, uh, ears, 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 eyes. No, we don't have. Wait, I'm still waiting for that AR, these AR glasses. How cool would that be that I can just project the show live onto your retina? (laughs) Maybe a few more years before we get there. Uh, Lots and lots of stuff to talk about, so let's get going going with the news. This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So I'm recording this on the last day that I'm at the office this year. Um, We have our um, Christmas wrap-up party in uh, about an hour from now. We've invited everyone who's been working with me on all these shows. um, And we've organized a little bit of a get-together. It's just nothing special, but it's it's the first time that we do a wrap-up like this. And then for me... The the rest of the team will, will have to work next week as well. But for me, my vacation starts. And um, yeah, I'm actually quite happy that I've been able to do what I needed to do. So no more deadlines. There's a little bit of uh, some Christmas stories that I'm going to edit at home. That's more something for fun. There's no pressure on that. And, uh, and then I can just relax. Well, it's all relative, of course, because next week, as you can imagine, is going to be Uh, on a certain level maybe one of the busiest weeks definitely one of the most exciting weeks of the year because it's the week of Star Wars and there is a lot of Star Wars happening next week first of all I've been invited uh to as I hoped. I'm still on the guest list of Disney in the Netherlands, so I've been invited to the red carpet premiere in Amsterdam. So that is going to be one of those world premieres. Um, It's a couple of days before the official premiere in the United States. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. My brother is going to join me again. I'm so curious to hear what he will say uh, because he was not a fan of The Last Jedi, to put it mildly. Um, I'm more in the middle. It wasn't my favorite Star Wars movie, but I I liked it for what it was. Um, so really, really hoping that J.J. Uh, Abrams will, uh, will bring everything together and that it will be a very exciting uh, closure, bring... Uh, closure to the series and in a certain way to part of my life I mean Star Wars has been my life since I was 8 years old so uh, it's going to be really really interesting to see what we're going to see and of course uh, if you follow me on YouTube uh, which you can you can find over at uh, Father Roderick um, I'm going to post a spoiler free review and I'm pretty, if you've seen my trailer reactions where I'm Jumping up and down, that's for two minutes of Star Wars video. Imagine how I will react once I've seen the entire movie. So make sure to be subscribed to my YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash father roderick. That's Star Wars number one. The next Star Wars event is I'm going to be a guest at the Echo Base Con uh, in Utrecht, which is a charity Star Wars convention that they organize every year to raise money for charity and I've been uh, uh, invited as one of the guests on the Star Wars panel so uh, there are some well known Star Wars personalities in the Netherlands that they've invited uh, to I don't know share their passion for Star Wars I don't know I didn't get any questions in advance but I'm pretty sure that I'll have something to say about Star Wars And then the third thing that I hope to be a part of, but uh, I still have to get in touch with uh, my friends over at the Dutch Garrison, is going to be the Dutch Garrison premiere, where all the members of the 501st in the Netherlands will get together, some in costume, some not. And I'm still an aspiring member. I'm not really an official member because I don't have a costume yet. And I hoped to get a costume this year, but uh, it'll be for next year. But uh, um, I, since I've known these people for so long, usually uh, I, I can join them for that for that as well. And then, you know, what is cooler than to watch Star Wars with the biggest Star Wars fans there are in my country? So I'm really looking forward to, to next week. And it's kind of, I, I love it that I have the time to focus just on that. Previous years, whenever there was a Star Wars premiere, I had all my work. Usually this time of year, I'm working against very... Uh, strong you know big deadlines so there's always this rush this this race against the clock and then all of a sudden you have to kind of switch over to star wars um I, i remember one one time when we went to the rogue one premiere i was so exhausted and so overworked that i forgot my glasses just because my brain didn't function properly so i watched that entire movie without glasses let's say it was a little bit of a blurry experience i was glad that afterwards i got to see it several more times <laughs> <laughs> and and we were sitting on the first row that also helped but uh yeah i will not make that mistake for um, uh for the for this movie for the rise of skywalker so that is what's um ahead of me also really looking forward to just do Fun stuff again to have time to record a Mandalorian review instead of having to do that, you know, at midnight because work. Um, Also, looking forward to going back to my Lego adventures. I've got a a few big Lego sets that I've planned for uh, for for the next three weeks. And, uh, and I have some more plans when it comes to Lego and YouTube, but I will talk about that at the end of this show. But first of all, let me give you some thoughts about the world of movies and TV series. This is also the time of year where normally, especially when I have some time off, I watch a bit more uh, on TV. I haven't been to the movies for th- two months now. It's one of the reasons that I probably am going to uh, stop my subscription to the local movie theater, because I just... I don't have the time. Plus, there's so much to watch on the streaming platforms. Netflix, Disney+, Prime Video. Huh, why, why would I go to the movies? and do not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. I watched one brand new movie, and I watched one very old nostalgic movie. Um, the first one was on Netflix, and you will probably already have heard about it. It's The Irishman, and it is a very popular movie for Netflix. It, I think it's really, a, a, well, you can't really talk about a box office success because it's a TV movie, but it, this could have been a, a, a real theater release that's how good it is it features a lot of very well known famous actors but what makes this movie so impressive to me, and that's what I want to talk about and focus on in my f- initial review, because I haven't finished watching the movie yet is this is also a technological breakthrough um, and you wouldn't be able to tell it, if you watch this movie it tells a story of a couple of uh, mobs in a certain way uh, mafia members um, it, during various moments dur- in their lives. Um, so you will see flashbacks, you will see the current time, you will see they'll go back 20 years. So you've got these these same characters at various ages, from you know in their 30s to in their 70s. What makes this such a breakthrough, is that all those scenes were filmed with the actors, with the same actors. So they didn't recast for younger uh, actors. They solved everything digitally. Now, you know that de-aging has been all the rage in the superhero movies. Uh, Think of the X-Men, where they did that with uh, several actors. Um, It's also something that was very important in uh, Captain America, the first movie, where Captain America... You know, grows from from this being this this very s- small, uh, unhealthy boy, turns into this muscle machine, um, and that was the same kind of technology that they use normally for de aging. They use that to shrink down his body because actually he they used when when the actor was all bulked up, uh, they had to slim him down to make a convincing a portrayal of of the person that he used to be. And so they used body doubles, but also a lot of digital shrinking, basically. That technology has been, you know, evolving and evolving and evolving. Um, there's even going to be a movie, isn't it a James Dean movie? that They're going to do without the, the actor is already dead, of course. Um, and they resurrected him through CGI technology. Kind of a bit what they did with Leia at the end of um, of Rogue One. Um, But they have sworn not to do that with the upcoming movie. Although I'm pretty sure that there's going to be quite a bit of digital manipulation. But it's still based on real footage that they shot with Carrie Fisher. Well, here, it was the plan from the get-go to use the same actors for all the different time frames. And they already knew that they could do a lot with makeup, but you can't. Get rid of the wrinkles, etc., with just makeup. And so, what they ended up doing was all the hair is makeup. The fringes of the hair very, very difficult to to do that convincingly. They had they all touched it up digitally so that it looks like real hair. And then the rest, the faces, the 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 rejuvenation, rejuvenation of the faces, it was all done digitally. But what makes it so special is that nothing was done in the way that they used to do this, with dots all over the face, you know, you've seen the, the behind-the-scenes footage where, you know, sometimes actors are, are carrying, like, a miniature camera on, you know, on a protrusion from a headgear or whatever. The, the director said, I don't want technology to get in the way of the performances. For me, it's the performances that matter. And figure it out how you do this afterwards. And so they've been working for four years on this movie, um, and use the latest technology to de-age these actors, and the result is flawless. I was I was watching this, and it's not just the actors; it's also um, the the settings. So a lot of the lighting, the toning of the colors they used. Uh, this was all shot on film, on and not just on one type of film, but they went so far that they took a type of film that was popular in that certain time frame, so there were different techniques, different development techniques, different uh, um, emulsions, um, and they wanted to emulate that so that it it, it kind of works in your mind. If you see a scene that takes place in the 70s, even the film that they used was the same kind of film that you would see in movies from the 70s, and when they switched to Modern days, they use digital. Well, digital probably not, but much much higher quality. And so, even with that, they went completely as realistic as possible. But then, after the fact, they had to match, of course, all the the. Kind of the the color toning, they had to make sure that the special effects were also looking as if they were part of that, you know, uh, of the original, what was, what was shot originally. So they had to re-add um, grain, etc., flaws, little flaws that lens aberrations. I mean, I've I've listened to a couple of behind the scenes. Uh, podcasts and also watch some stuff on YouTube, and I was blown away by the amount of technology. There is not one single shot that hasn't been d- digitally manipulated, but the thing is, you don't notice it at all. It's completely believable. Another thing that it was really uh, interesting to hear from the actors themselves was that, was that they were coached by um, several people to make sure that the way they move matches their age. It's something I never realized that the older you get... The, the more your, your movement changes, the way you walk, the way you turn your head, even the way your eyes move is different at various times in your life. And so if you need to portray someone in their 30s, they have a different step. And if someone is seventy years old, then you walk differently your your whole posture is different and and so there was so much knowledge behind the scenes that was put into making this believable that i'm not surprised that this movie is uh, is is you know top of the list of so many movie lovers um and this is all just the technological side it's incredible what they've been able to do but then the story also really works and i'm well, as I said, I haven't finished the movie because it's a long movie, but it is really compelling television, and uh, the actors are doing a terrific job. So this is just one an, another example of the kind of the golden days of these online streaming platforms. This is probably a movie that would have never been greenlit for movie theaters because it, take, it took four years to develop. The technology wasn't even there when they started shooting. And so, only a a a company like Netflix with deep pockets, although those pockets have been empty for many years, but they still are, you know, one of the biggest players. So they dare to invest. Only platforms like this are making this possible. Just like Disney Plus, we wouldn't have had the Mandalorian if it were if it hadn't been for Disney Plus. For Disney Plus, this is. Something that makes it so compelling to be subscribed to Disney Plus, you know, Baby Yoda, <laughs> but also get, getting something that looks like a movie and still it's, it had, it adheres to the the rules of, of of good television. None of that would have been financed, I think, by by television partners. And so it's it's awesome. All these platforms are competing, not just in terms of. Um Having the biggest catalog, but also to bring something unique to the table, and that's what really makes it so so fascinating. <coughs> sometimes I'll have these coughing fits i 'm still in the final days of recovering from uh, this bronchitis. Everybody I talk a lot, uh get dehydrated, and I start coughing. The other movie that I wanted to briefly mention here is a is an old movie, and I was so happy to find it on on Disney plus It is a science fiction movie that I remember having seen. Uh, with my parents. One of the few movies that our parents um, went with us. Normally they'd just drop us off and then my mom would go shopping because she always would fall asleep during the movies and didn't really care for it. My dad, same thing. But this movie, I, I recall that we've, we've seen it together as a family and it is called The Return from Witch Mountain. And I remember that movie so well. I even drew an entire comic book myself bait you know because at the time of course there was no internet you didn't have any merchandise around these movies and I just wanted to uh, relive the story and and for me the best way to do that as a kid I, I always would draw comics I, I made a comic of the movie based on the story that I saw that's how much uh, that, that uh, story um, uh fascinated me now it's always a little bit daunting to go rewatch a movie that you have such fond memories of because you think well i'm i'm an adult now and well we're so spoiled with movies nowadays maybe it's going to be such a disappointment to see it again i'm happy to say that it, it was not a disappointment actually i think i understand now much better why that movie had such an impact on me so it tells the story of two kids a little bit mysterious, they're uh, orphans, um, they go to a school where at least a boy is being bullied, bullied. Um, but they, they have these supernatural powers, so they can uh, jump very high, or they can use telekine- telekinesis to move objects, etc., and they use that basically to defend themselves against the bullies in school. And then they're discovered by this mysterious, these these evil guys, and they want to get a hold of the kid, so they have to uh, run for it. It's just really, really good television. It's a good, compelling story. The reason that I think that I was so imp- impressed by this movie was that I could identify with these two kids, because I always felt an outsider in, in primary school. Um, I have had my share of bullies. And I was not, I was kind of more the scrawny little kid, not good at sports or anything. I could draw comics. That was my superpower, but nobody cared. And uh, and so uh, I, I think that I, I, this is kind of those wish fulfillment movies. You see these kids, they're just like you, a little bit weird, a little bit, you know, not popular at all but they have this secret power to overcome the bullies. And I dreamt of... That's why I loved Superman so much, because I was like, how cool would it be to be like Superman so that they couldn't harm me, they couldn't, you know, play pranks on me anymore, and I could take revenge. And (laughs) so I think that that is what I... Yeah, after seeing the movie, I was like, ah, oh, I could, just could imagine. This was kind of a bit the fascination that Harry Potter has on the younger generation nowadays. It's like, what if I would have magical powers? Harry Potter is the same story, you know? It's this orphan, and he is being bullied by, by his foster uh, family. He seems a bit of a loser, and it turns out he's a wizard, you're a wizard, Harry. And then he gets invited to a whole new life and everything changes and he becomes a hero. That was the kind of dreams that I had. That was why I was so much in love with Star Wars. Same thing, Luke Skywalker, orphan. Lives on this remote planet where nothing happens. He's not popular with his friends because he's got his uh, his uncle. He's constantly telling him to help him with the harvest. He's got all his friends joined the rebellion and uh, get to do all this exciting stuff except for him. And then uh disaster strikes. His, his his foster parents are killed and that's when he follows this crazy old man and turns into a Jedi. What's not to love? I mean that was me in my dreams. So, yeah. I've I've got a fondness for for stories like that and I Tend to always return to the same kind of stories because they're. I've kind of. I can identify with just nothing. That's probably why I'm not a Batman fan now that I think of, about it, because Batman was the opposite of of my life. I mean, Batman's a millionaire. He's got all these gadgets and he's dark and brooding and it's like, nah, I'm a Superman guy. You know, I I I've I felt oftentimes like an orphan uh, and and. um yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, what I wanted to escape from was this brooding darkness. I wanted to be, you know, happy and joyful, and it's probably why I'm still overcompensating a little bit <laughs> when it comes to, you know, my 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 approach in life. I always look at the bright, try to look at the bright side, try to stay optimistic, being super creative. Because now I, in a certain way, I have superpowers. Uh, I'm not talking about being a priest, but. I finally am able to realize the dreams that I had as a child. I am a filmmaker now. I'm a documentary maker. I do all this cool cool stuff. I'm sitting behind a microphone. I know my technology. I'm a gamer. It's everything I dreamt of as a child and back then thought it would always stay a dream. And now it's reality. So, yeah, reasons to be thankful for. (laughs) Catholics rock! And in this uh, part of the show, I always talk about churchy stuff. Things that matter to Catholics and Christians. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Today I want to talk about something sad that happened just the other day. It was the announcement that one of our main churches is going to close. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. This came a bit as as a shock. Uh, As you know, secularization in the Netherlands is uh, rampant and more and more uh, parishes have been fused together. So the parishes where I work currently, I work in two parishes. One is a fusion of five communities. The newer parish where I'm also working is a conglomerate of, of about nine original parishes. So that was step number one. The step number two is we have way too many buildings for uh the definitely for our our for for the current community and if you if you look look ahead and you look at the age um pyramid of our parishes um definitely we have uh probably like 70 percent of our churches is going to be superfluous in the in the near future those churches are paid by the community the Catholic community itself so this is different from a country like France where the state owns the buildings and the church can use them but they're the, all the maintenance has to be done by the state um, it's also different from our neighboring uh, churches for instance Germany Germany has church tax where basically uh, the state uh, gives part of the t- tax revenue to the churches so they they can you know Continue to maintain their churches and and pay their, for their worship. In the Netherlands, we have to do every we have to pay everything ourselves. And you can imagine if if most of your churchgoers are older than seventy years old, that is going to be a huge financial problem in the near future, and actually already is. In my current parish where I work and I'm, I'm just an assistant priest I'm, I'm not a pastor or anything so I, I help out in the weekends and I love doing that and it feels like home but I don't have the responsibilities of the pastor but in this current parish here in Amersfoort it turns out we have a, an annual shortage um, a budgetary shortage of 250,000 euros which is totally insane I mean it's a quarter of a million every year huh? this accumulates of course the only reason that that they've been able to stay afloat for the past few years was that they sold a few churches in the past and the money get, they got for that was immediately put into the losses to me that has the, the moment I heard about that I was like I cannot understand that that they can work like that. I mean, I, I would I'm running Tridio for how many years now and before that I was running SQPN. We have never had a deficit ever. I don't want to be in debt ever. I've never been in debt in, for my whole life when um uh, when I uh, couldn't pay for my studies anymore. I didn't want my bishop to pay for my formation for uh, for my priestly formation. I worked in the vacations. I just had a job so I could pay for my studies myself. And uh always every time no matter how dire the situation was financially I've always looked for sources of revenue so that I didn't uh, accumulate debt. Now I don't I know that that's not given to everyone. But it is almost a lifestyle right now like in everything I do also running uh, Tridio um, and even when we were running uh, SQPN together with the rest of the team, I was always saving up money for, uh, to, to build up financial margin. And um, I had this rule, this golden rule, that even if everything would, would, would uh, tumble down, um and would crash and nobody would listen to our podcast anymore that we would be able to continue for a year and this is just being responsible for other people's wages i mean i couldn't care less i know that if if i really have no no more place to stay or nothing to eat anymore my bishop will have to take care of me it's part of his deal of of being responsible for me but uh but since i am responsible for the work of you know all the people that are we're gonna, that are going to join me for the, for the Christmas wrap-up party, um, I have to be responsible so I cannot go into debt because it, it would put their lives at risk. So that is why I'm always looking for, you know, how can I work? And I don't have big sponsors. I've got patrons. They give a little bit every month. Um, but I've worked hard to find those patrons. So And, and then for the TV work, uh, we're also reduced to micro budgets, but I work so hard and so m- I'm, I'm putting so much energy into those productions because the more I do myself, the more I can save up, and the more uh, there is s- financial security for the other people that that I work with. So that's I always want to work from a position of strength. It turns out this parish has not done that; they've been just using up. Uh, the money that they ha- had from the buildings, and now the 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 diocese has said, uh, we're not going to do that anymore. You have to make sure that you save um, on your, your. I'm not sure what the word is in English, but you don't don't spend more than you have. That's basically the message, which is totally totally normal to me. I could never ex- uh, uh, be a the pastor here and have the responsibility for this parish if it was operating on a loss i would not tolerate that i'd rather not be paid myself uh, rather than than having these losses but anyway the financial situation is so dire that they have decided to close another church and it happens to be the church here next door to the office which right now is the best church that we have in terms of it's it's the ha, this church has the most visitors and that can be explained because this is the only church in the city that has all the sacraments every week It's a, a, another policy of our bishop uh, knowing how few priests there are he said I want in every conglomerate of former parishes at least one church where Catholics can go, have beautiful liturgy, all the sacraments you can go to confession, there's a mass there's always mass so it's kind of a guarantee of quality. So the people here around this community, the community around this church, were like, we're not, they're not going to close us down. We're going to be the last one on the list because, well, this is the place that has been designated to be the, what they call the Eucharistic Center. So we always will have Mass here. The problem is, I think it had the psychological effect of, uh, for the people of, you know, well, since we don't have to worry about that, we're just going to not innovate anymore. This is a church that was built in the fifties. It's not a very nice church architecturally. It was built in in very poor times, so it's all concrete. Nothing has been insulated. So this is just one of those. You know, it's a huge church. You could you could put an airplane, a small airplane, inside it. And so, but it, because it was built in a time that energy didn't cost much, now to 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 heat up the church costs more than the. Um, how would you call it, when they're coming to collect the money? Um, So it'll cost maybe 200 bucks to heat up the church, and the money that will come in for one mass will also be 200 bucks. So that's untenable, because you also have to pay all the the other stuff that's going on. So um, they've decided, and they've announced their decision to close the church and to either rent it out or sell it, we don't know yet, in the next couple of years. The thing is, they didn't communicate that with the local community at all, so they heard this like the day before yesterday, out of the blue, nobody saw this coming. And so you can imagine what the what the result is. I'm not sure if that has been the best approach. They deliberately chose not to involve the, the local community in the process of closure because they thought it would only frustrate the volunteers, it would all, all, would make it even harder. I've learned... In, at the university, that if you change something, what you first need to do is you have to defreeze it, as they call it. So this is um, social pro- processes or something like. That. I had a course about that, and so basically, a situation is always in it, kind of in a frozen state. It's the status quo. Say you want to ch- change something, you you have first before you start moving something that is solidly frozen, you have to first heat it up so that you can move it. You know, it melts and then you can move. It's like ice cubes in uh, that are, are you know, frozen hard in in your fridge. Uh, If you want to get them out of their uh, the little container and you force it, then you'll break everything. You'll even break the plastic. Um, So you have to defreeze first, then you have to move, and then you have to consolidate. You have to refreeze it again in this in this process. Well, they basically step they 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 jump the shark. They 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 skip the first step of defreezing, and now. Now they're trying to break, they're trying to move, and I'm afraid that it will cause a lot of damage. In a similar way, that is exactly why in the previous episode of The Walk, I started thinking out loud about the future of the podcast that I make, the YouTube channels. I've deliberately not said anything about what I'm going to do, but I've said, I want to think about this. If I just continue to do what I've been doing, it's too much work, and I'm not even sure that this is the most efficient way of reaching the audiences. So think with me. Give me some feedback. Let me hear your thoughts. And by inviting the community, and that happened. I got a lot of feedback on that and uh, and a lot of very valid uh, thoughts about this show that you're currently listening to, about you know what to do for the patrons, what works, what doesn't work, what people would like to see. All that helps me, first of all, to make the right decision in... So what if I'm moving the situation, if I'm changing the situation, what should be the priorities? What does my audience want? What is lacking, maybe? But also, be, because I'm involving the community by inviting them to share their thoughts and, and uh, some of you have been listening for 10 or 12 years. So I w- want to validate that because that can help me. But it also introduces this idea that, well, we're going to make some changes, but let's make them together. You see what I mean? So because the community is thinking with me, it helps me to discern what to do, but it also prepares the change in a certain way and gives it much higher rate of success, probably. And then once you've made the changes, you have to make sure that you consolidate, that, the, that people can experience that, the, in fact, the new situation is better than the old one. And I've in the past also sometimes skipped these step, the step of defreezing, um, and I wanted to change things too quickly, and then I had to basically come back and ask for forgiveness because, well, what I had in mind didn't work at all. I should have asked you if that would work for you. So it's, change is always a very complicated process, but let alone in, in the church where people have you know lived here for decades. They've, some of my parishioners have helped build this church, can you imagine what it does to them when they hear, out of the blue, hey, we're going to close your, your church and sell it? Very, very hard. So um, there may also be consequences for our offices here. We don't even know that. Uh, this is part of the, the entire, the grounds for instance, this is very valuable uh, ground um, or a very valuable location because it's close to the city and yet it's it's a little bit away from the historic center, this is a prime location people would pay millions to to be able to build here so we don't know but I, the moment I, I, I got word of this of these changes, my mind has been racing it's like, oh oh my goodness, we need to think ahead. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to have a plan B. So What if we can't stay here next year? So where are we going? So all that is moving also a lot in my mind. That is why I'm so happy that next couple of weeks I have some time to think about these things and to pray about this and uh, involve the community also in, in our future plans so that was what i wanted to share with you uh big changes ahead when for this you become an community expert in thermonuclear astrophysics. last night the packet the extraction theory papers am i the only one who did the reading one last thing now that i think of it uh, uh how what does it do to me uh emotionally this is the third church that is closed while i'm a priest here um so i've ha- i've been going through this process twice already this is the third church this is by far the the largest church that we need to close. And I kind of know that this is probably not going to be the last church that we will have to close. It bothers me because it bothers the parishioners. It is a big emotional shock. But uh, since I've gone through this already, and I'm kind of like a missionary priest, I consider myself to be a missionary priest right now. I don't own a location. I would love to have a home, and I would love to have a situation where I can see people on a regular basis. That's not the case right now. I'm just racing around, trying to do masses then here, then there. That's not very good for my soul as a pastor because I want i've I wanted to become a priest because I wanted to know the flock. I want to know people by name. And so it that in that respect it makes it harder these next couple of years, as long as we have to keep running around. On the other hand, I know that my life doesn't belong to me. I go wherever the Lord wants me to go, and so um, uh, it's it's harder, definitely harder. But my task, my job right now is pastor to be a pa- to be a shepherd for the people that are going through this process of loss and mourning, and um, so that's going to be probably the focus for this community. But on the whole, I'm always like, it is what it is. You know, the things I can't change, let me just accept them. And pray about it and ask God, so how can I be an optimal instrument in your hands? Something totally different now. Books. I've got a, a, a book that I've mentioned before, but I, there is a new reason why you may want to be interested in, in reading it. It is a Star Wars novel, and it's written by a whole bunch of, of authors, some of which have written many other books for the Star Wars Expanded Universe. The book itself is called uh, From a Certain Point of View, which is a genius title, and so it's a collection of short stories that take place in the world of Star Wars. One of these stories expands upon uh, something that happens in A New Hope, so no no spoilers here, where R2-D2 and C-3PO are taken prisoners, taken captive by the Jawas when they're looking for, well, wherever R2-D2 wants to take C-3PO. So they're both... Uh, taken on board this uh, sandcrawler, and then they are being sold to uh, Uncle Beru, Uncle Aunt Beru, and Uncle Owen, and Luke Skywalker. And you remember that there is this scene where at first it looks as if C-3PO and R2-D2 are going to be separated for life because, well, Uncle Owen first picks the red one, R5-D4, and then uh, R5-D4 moves a little bit slowly and all of a sudden something explodes in the dome of this droid. And then C-3PO is, well, sir, actually that blue R2 unit is in prime condition. <laughs> and that's how R2-D2 and C-3PO stay together. Now, don't you forget about this. You know, this that scene. Well, actually what they did in a, from a certain point of view is they developed a backstory uh, about R5-D4 because it turns out, according to this backstory, that was not an accident that uh, his uh, motivator exploded. That was done on purpose. It, actually, it's a beautiful story where R5-D4 is sacrificing himself to protect the mission of R2-D2. It's a brilliant story. And just a good story, Not nothing canon, uh, nothing very consequential, until you watch one of those last episodes of The Mandalorian, where all of a sudden you see this familiar-looking red, white-colored R5-D4 unit. And people were like, wait a minute? Wasn't that... isn't that... probably it is. So if you wanted to hear more about that backstory and how R5-D4 made it, you know, to the to Mandalorian series, this is probably the story that inspired the makers to bring him back. Um, so love it when a television series um, kind of ties back into that expanded universe. It validates also the effort of these creative writers. And, and I, I, it really helps you appreciate the sacrifice of R5-D4 uh, it, once you've read the... the the novel uh, story. This is a short story in the novel from a certain point of view. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just... And it's a disaster. But there is one more thing. There is definitely one more thing that I teased at the beginning of this episode, and that is I want to share with you what I'm going to focus more on next year, what I'm going to do for the patron supporters and uh, with YouTube and with these podcasts. So first of all, let me reassure you, this show is not going to go away. (laughs) I've been thinking about this, and uh, a lot of people are listening to this not just to get information but it's just this weekly contact it's it's we're chatting and i'm talking about the things that i'm passionate about some of which may be interesting to you some of which may not be i just got feedback from one of my listeners saying well hey with all the the the, especially with this tech segment i can make an impression on 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 my kids because at least i know what's going on right now so uh, i've got a lot of feedback from people that, that say well just keep this um, but don't see it just as a show that always has to be about, you know, that has to be very much researched. Is just talk about your passion. We don't care what it is as long as we, we keep having this weekly contact. So that, everyone says, without exception, whatever you do, keep the walk. So definitely going to keep the walk. That was in my plans already. But the only show that uh, I hear get feedback on that is well, well, you may want to change that, or you may want to do something else, or we wouldn't mind if that show falls away. Is what the show that I record every week for my patrons? It's the after show. It's basically just me continuing the conversation that we have on the weekly show, and uh, sometimes I will answer questions in the in the comments, etc. Because I can't really have a dialogue with the, with the visitors while I'm recording the show, but it doesn't really add much. It's, it's just a little something, but it doesn't have a specific value. So that's basically a waste of time, at least to serve that as a podcast. So what what is going to be the alternative? Well, I've thought a lot about this. And I think if there's one thing I would like to bring back, something that gave me joy to make, um, and that is also something that is pretty unique and May also work as an incentive for people to to join the patron community is what used to be called the Catholic Insider. Um, and for those of you that are newer listeners uh, or viewers on YouTube, that basically was a series of lo- series I've done for almost ten years, where I would record audio documentaries very immersive audio documentaries so where in stereo I would be for instance I would be in Africa and I would walk around he would hear the sounds of the of life there of the insects of culture and, and I would tell the story I would just try to visualize in your mind what I was seeing so it was kind of what I do for video as well what I love to do documentaries but I would just use audio and narration and Uh, there is not much out there. There are thousands and thousands of podcasts nowadays. Um, And I can never compete with that. But what I can compete with, well, well, what makes the audio documentary so unique is that that is a way to forget about your own world, you close your eyes, and you're where I am. And it can be anywhere in the world. And oftentimes it was possible to tell stories that I could not, possibly do with video, because a camera is very intrusive. A microphone, you don't even notice that it's there. And also, uh, visual storytelling has huge post-production costs. Um, Putting uh, one TV show or one documentary together will take weeks sometimes of editing. That is something I cannot just easily add. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, I I will... talk about the specifics later but my my current idea is i would like to give to bring back the catholic insider not sure if i will call it like that but i want to bring back these audio documentaries or these we call them sound seeing tours so you've got sightseeing and this was sound seeing um and i want to start with bringing back the old series that i've recorded some of which you've never heard Um, so and and they're no longer available Online because we split up with SQPN and SQPN has not uh, kept them online. We don't, we've never put them back online either. So we've got travels through Spain, Ireland, uh, the United States, Canada. um, I've got series in Australia, uh, New Zealand, Africa. You name it, I've been there and I've recorded shows there. So we're going to bring those back to the lower-level tier of um, of Patreon. And then for the next tier, I am going to solidly invest in the documentaries. Um, one of the pieces of feedback that I got is, it's so frustrating to hear you talk about everything you do for Dutch television, and we will never get to see it because it's all in Dutch. Well, I've decided that I want to... Uh, opt first for my online work. This is also going to have big consequences for my YouTube presence because right now I've got one YouTube channel over at Father Roderick and I put everything in there that strikes my fancy. That's the worst approach that you can have on YouTube because it will destroy the algorithm. What I want to do now is to create uh, focused channels. One is going to be uh, what I am actually the best in? What my what is my speciality? Where, what do you think about when you hear Father Roderick? You think about Star Wars, geeky stuff, and faith. It's this intersection between faith and the world of geeks. That is my speciality. That is one I want to focus on. That's, that's kind of the Mandalorian is is part of that. So it is. Um, uh, it's going to be Star Wars, it's going to be superhero movies, science fiction, uh, fantasy, everything that has to do with the world of geeks and faith, or, and I'm kind of the representative of the world of faith, that's going to be the main focus of that channel. And I think if I make quality vlogs, quality productions like I try to do now with The Mandalorian, I think I can grow that channel too. My aim is to grow it to 1 million subscribers. Only got 25,000 right now. I know that it's possible, but it, I have to choose for focus. So that's going to be the f- the first thing. The second thing is documentaries. I've heard from lots of you that have given feedback is please do those documentaries. Do what you do for Dutch television, but make it in English. That's going to and that's not the same audience that will be interested in the geeky stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a second YouTube channel and that's going to be documentary only. Maybe with some extra videos about how I make these documentaries because there's also interest, a lot of interest in these low-budget techniques that I use. I mean, I've filmed my entire Ireland documentary with a f- cell phone and I know that I can teach that to other people as well. I, kn- I There is a market for that. There is an audience for that. But anyway... Documentaries. And then there is a third channel. And that is basically everything else. So I like to just go online and just mess around with Lego. I will never be able to do to have a successful Lego channel just based on Lego. It's not gonna work because I'm I don't specialize in that. I there are months that I don't have time to build Lego. There are these other things. Well, well, this this show that I'm currently streaming on YouTube. You know, I like that. It's fun, but it's polluting the algorithm. So, but I want to create like a back backstage channel in a certain way where where I will put everything else. And I know that the hardcore fans will subscribe to that channel because they they like that that is just like everything and nothing. But I have to separate that. So that is those are my plans and then the access to the documentaries that's going to be linked to to the, the patronage. So, because that is a lot of extra cost and extra investments that I have to do to make that a success. But again, I think that if I invest in it and I deliver the same quality on YouTube that I've been delivering to Dutch television for years, 10 years now, I've been doing this work for 10 years. If I take all that experience, all that know-how and put it on, you know, put it into social media channels, I think it will, reach a massive audience. Definitely so much bigger audience than I'm currently reaching. That is in a nutshell what is the result of my current thought process. I wanted to share that with you here at the end of the show. Basically to reassure you, to incentivize those of you that are not yet patrons but would like to become patrons, take a look at patreon.com slash fatherrodrick. And soon, hopefully we'll... This is the phase of moving and we'll consolidate that at the beginning of the next year. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful Christmas time if you don't listen to my other shows, and I will see you somewhere online.